Finances. There, I said it. A scary word to many, a spa manager and beauty business owner the world over, but it really needn't be. In fact, it shouldn't be because not being afraid of your finances will help you spot opportunities in your business much more quickly. And right now, that's even more important than it's ever been. So let me open your eyes to the fun that can be had with finance and the possibilities unlocked by your P&L. Wait, 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 where are you going? Come back, come back, back. Creating the spa, the salon, or the clinic you really want doesn't have to be so hard. Mastering some basic principles, put in place some key strategies, and that'll give your business the strong foundation it needs to build from. Then, throw in the right mindset, some proven systems, stretching yourself just a little bit outside of your comfort zone to boost those confidence skills, and understanding how to market your business properly, and your success becomes inevitable. Problem is, no one ever taught you how to do that, and that's what I'm here for. Welcome to the Beauty Business Podcast National Spa Week Specials. With over half a million downloads, it's the number one place to learn the skills to maximize your health, beauty, or wellness-based business. My name is Adam Chatterley. I'm your host, and I've been helping spas and salons all over the world to succeed for over 20 years now. And with the help of some hand-picked experts, I'm going to help transform your business starting today. Hopefully you didn't run away screaming when I mentioned your P&L just a second ago, because I'm going to show you how it's going to become your new business best friend. Now, welcome along to this very special episode of the Beauty Business Podcast. It's National Spa Week here in the UK, and all this week, we're celebrating with a podcast episode dedicated to a vital part of managing and growing your business, especially as we continue to navigate this very strange world that we're living in right now. So whether you are new in your role, whether you started out on your own or just looking for some new ideas and maybe a bit of a refresher as well, that is what we're bringing you all this week. Now, today is day one of National Spa Week. And as I've said, we are talking finances and P&Ls. And I'm joined by a very special guest to bring this all to life for you here on the show. Now, I should say at the time of recording this episode, Spas and beauty businesses in England are starting another month of enforced closures as we enter lockdown 2.0. And elsewhere in the UK, similar restrictions are in place, as is the case in various parts of Europe and maybe where you are too. We can't ignore that COVID-19 hasn't gone away and it continues to have this very annoying effect on our lives and on our businesses. And possibly the most frustrating thing about it all is that so much of it is out of our control. However, what we do know is that we have some prior knowledge. And if we're to learn anything from lockdown one that we had earlier in this year, it's that those businesses that worked on their business, even whilst they weren't able to work in their businesses, were the ones that came out on top. Now, I've spoken with loads of beauty businesses from independent therapists right through to full scale spas that saw huge increases in business once they were able to reopen some of my clients were seeing weekly revenue growth of almost three times what they were doing prior to March of this year, and all because they'd prepared both physically, but also business-wise as well. And no small part of that was because they had their numbers down and their financial plans in place. So whether you are currently open in your business or not, understanding your financial position at all times and not simply burying your head in the sand is vital to the survival and the success of your business. But I know that numbers and spreadsheets and financial documents are very few people's idea of a fun-filled time in our industry. And I've dealt with these things 
all throughout my career. And that means that I'm not afraid of them. Indeed, I welcome more financial information because it helps me to do my job. And I want you to see them in the same way. Now to help bring out the fun in finances today, as I am every day this week, I'm joined by a very special guest. Someone who spent their whole career today in the hospitality industry, running multiple hotel properties, and just last year was heavily responsible for the creation of one of the most exciting new spas that the UK has seen for some time. Now, the beautiful new spa at Carden Park opened at the end of last year, and it's safe to say it's not had the easiest of starts. Just as things got going, well, like many other businesses, it was forced to close. And since then, it has been open, but it's been restricted in terms of occupancy. And now, sadly, it's having to close again, like so many other businesses, for a few weeks. But throughout all that, it's been crucially important to keep an eye on their finances. Naturally, it was expected to take a lot more in money than it has in its first year. So keeping an eye on the money has become even more important. Now, the man ultimately responsible for that is Hamish Ferguson, resort general manager for the Carden Park estate in Cheshire here in the UK. And we managed to grab him to share his story about how he went from being terrified of PL reports and finance meetings when he was a young manager to now relying on them to manage everything about the business on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, before I introduce you to Hamish, though, I would like to say a big thank you to today's sponsor of National Spa Week, which is Ellison's. Now, in many ways, every treatment starts with Ellison's. They are your partner for all spa requirements, but they do a lot more than you might think. So check out their range of minimal touch treatments developed so you as a spa and salon owner can offer your clients a range of new treatments safely. Just visit the Ellison's website, ellisons.co.uk forward slash spa to find out more or click the links in the episode description or the show notes pages for this episode, which you can find at beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 101. Okay, now let's get down to the business of business. Cool. So I would like to welcome to the show today, this very special first day of National Spa Week, Hamish Ferguson. Hamish, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks very much for inviting me. No problem. No, thank you. Um, so we are talking about, I guess, a subject that, that, that strikes fear into the heart of many, um, but such an important thing at the moment. We're talking about finance today. And I guess, you know, obviously a very important thing at any time for, for someone who is managing or, or running or owning a business. But uh, I guess it's no, it's no small thing to say that right at the moment, keeping an eye on your finances is even more important than ever, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it's definitely um, between staff costs, et cetera, and all the other costs that are coming towards you. You've got to be uh, on the ball, especially at the moment. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So um, so just to, so people can get a bit of a, an idea of your background, can you give us a little bit of a, a you know, your potted history in, in, the, uh, in the hospitality world and how you've come to be running uh, Carden Park as you are right now? Yeah, sure. Many, 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 many years ago, <laughs> in uh, 1977, uh, my next door neighbour was a hotelier, and he was an HR manager for the uh, the Peebles Hotel Hydro in the borders of Scotland. Okay. And I was coming up to finishing school, uh, had no clue about what industry I fancied going to, uh, or any any inclination about working whatsoever. Um, and he tempted me into the hotel industry, um, and the reason I got so uh, excited about it was that my parents in 1977-78 took me to Glen Eagles in Scotland ah. and um, I was blown away. I thought I was never came from a rich family, working class family. So when I went to see uh, Glen Eagles and I saw the Porsches and the Ferraris and the Bentleys parked outside <laughs> Glen Eagles, 
And I can still picture it to this day. We paid five pounds, and this was this is a lot of money back in the 1970s, five pounds for afternoon tea. Right. And in, and it was owned by British Transport Hotels in these days. Mm-hmm. And I think there was something, if I remember, about a 26-piece orchestra playing <laughs> while, while the afternoon teas were being served. Wow. A sight to behold. So I, I got addicted into the... Uh, thought, well, if I could ever be rich, I could rub shoulders with them by working. <laughs> so that was my that was my reasoning for going into the hotel industry. Right. And I started in the, in 77 at uh, Peebles Hotel Hydra in the Borders and did a five-year course. Uh, I did 706.1, 706.2, and then I went out to do my CMA at uh, College in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just um, rose through the ranks from then. I ended up in a five-year uh, drinking uh, spree in the Isle of Man for my career, doing various roles, uh, assistant manager of a hotel uh, near the casino in the Isle of Man, and thought to myself, I really need to kind of knuckle down and do something realistic with my life now. So I ended up working for a great company called Devere Hotels, and, right. and they just bought the old Greenall Whitley brand at the time, mm-hmm. and it was called um, the Greenall Whitley Hotels. They had hotels and pubs all over the UK. Um, and we owned hotels like the Grand at Brighton, Grand Eastbourne, Royal Bath, Mottram Hall, et cetera. Um, so I worked for, uh, for De Vere quite a number of years mm-hmm. uh, at Mottram and various Lord Darnsbury and various other places. I uh, managed two or three properties for uh, De Vere. And then I was approached by Mr. Steve Morgan to go and open a four-star brand new hotel in Yulow in North Wales. And it was quite funny because... At that time, a four-star hotel in Newlow, North Wales, was never going to happen. No one was interested in building one or running one. So Steve, because he was building lots of houses, um, had to build a hotel as part of the site plan um, and a nursery and various other uh, bits and pieces to fit into the uh, community. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he decided to build a hotel on his own. So in, in 1990, 1991, he built St. David's Park Hotel now, which is a Devere so, which is now a village property. Yep. And I think if I remember, the cost to build the turnkey operation, to build and open it, was £8 million, which was extremely cheap um, at that time. <laughs> um, but we made a massive success out of it. It was busy. Yeah. Um, we then opened uh, a property called Northup Country Park Golf Club, mm-hmm. uh, again, which had uh, houses surrounding it. So it was a, a good reason to sell houses and promote golf. So we yep. ran the St. David's Park Hotel and golf next to it, so which ran extremely well. And then in 1995-96, Mr. Morgan uh, decided uh, to buy Carden Park Hotel. Um, It was owned by John Broom at the time, Mm -hmm. um, who was family-owned Alton Towers. Okay, yep. Yep, and uh, it was decided, uh, I went into administration, I think, at at this time in 96, and Steve bought it. Uh, for, for a princely sum, I won't mention the sum, but it was a very reasonable sum. Uh, we went on to um, open it in 97, and we opened the Nicholas course in 1998. Yep. We were market leaders, as we thought, and we were, in 1997, with almost building one of the first spas in the UK. Yeah. Albeit decidedly average, as we saw now, as we see now, mm-hmm. um, but it generated a lot of income 
we so we were all things to all people. We had golf, we had spa, we yeah. had rooms, we did weddings, we did we had all sorts. We had activities at Carden Park, so um, it was a great, great property and rose through the ranks. Mm. And in two thousand, we were purchased by uh, Devere Hotel. So Mr. Yep. Morton, who owned it privately, had then uh, sold it to Devere, um, and we became a Devere Hotel in two thousand. Well, from that day onwards. Um, our occupancy rose massively, being by being owned by a large company. Yep. The occupancy rose massively, and within a few years, we were going from something like five, six, seven million. We're up at twelve, thirteen million. Wow! So exciting times, yeah. uh, busy, busy, busy times. Now things moved on. Uh, Devere was swallowed up by other companies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Things moved on, um, and in about two thousand and ten, twelve. Um, we were then went back uh, as a private organisation again under the uh, Mr Morgan's banner, um, and continued to trade as we did. So in 2016, uh, after after being at the hotel since 1996, I decided to take a little bit of time out. So I ended up working with a very very good friend friend of mine, uh, Rob Maxfield uh, at the PGA. So I did, okay. 18, I did 18 months at the PGA, which was exciting. Very mm-hmm. great uh, company to work with, great organization to work for. Um, but I was commuting more than I, I, I could really do in my, in my life. I was so exhausted by commuting. <laughs> and then Mr. Morgan decided to tease me back to Carden Park again. <laughs> you, couldn't, so, you couldn't get far away. You got no. you back. So back I came. <laughs> um, and it's been a, a great journey back in again. When I came back, and in the meantime, uh, Steve had decided that he would like to build because we deserved it and the hotel deserved it, a new spa. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, looked at the plans. Um, in my traveling days with the PGA, et cetera, I had seen a lot of different um, really, really good quality spas. Yeah. I was traveling out to, um, to Phuket, I had uh, I'd made good contacts with uh, the um, Banyan Tree Group. Right. So I'd seen their spas out there, and I was mm-hmm. blown away. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do, when I came back, I had to do a bit of a, um, a fact-finding mission about what should, what, what does good look like and what, what, is it, what are people's ex- expectations of a spa. Yeah. So I did. I, I spent quite a lot of time. Um, I looked at the current plans and thought, this is, just isn't good enough. We need to do better. So I'll name some names, and I'm quite proud to say that we, we, we did look at various properties. Um, one of them being, uh, and I've got to say, I take my hat off to them, Galgorm uh, Hotel, Spa. Yeah. Uh, in Ireland. Northern Ireland, yeah. Absolutely excellent product. Um, Peter Banks, who I know extremely well from mm-hmm. our days of Virgin Hotel Collection, has made a magnificent job. Beautiful spa at Rodding Park. Yes. And Mr. Morgan's friend, who actually owns uh, Rockcliffe Hall, Mr. Mm-hmm. Gibson, who owns Middlesbrough Football Club as well, we had a good look at that spa. So what we did was was look at looking at people, what people want as experiences. Yes. It's not just about lying at the table, having a massage or a facial or whatever. It's about an experience. And we decided that's what we'll give people. So hence, I, I it took me a little while, but I managed to convince uh, Steve Morgan <laughs> And his beautiful wife uh, to go up to Rudding Park to see and, ex- and see for their own with their own eyes really what good looks like and what yep. the features of spas are. And yep. um, so he did, or they did, uh, enjoyed it. Got to say, Peter looked after them extremely well. And yep. um, they came back, and um, and he understood the concept of actually the experience part of the spa journey, 
um, and hence for our design and build, it really started from them. So we almost went back to the drawing board right. um, to look at the spa itself and then encompass the spa garden, which was the reason, or I think the reason that currently we're doing so well. Yeah, well, spa. obviously. And it, and yeah. it is real wild. So that, oh, that's where we are at the moment. Okay. Now, so you mentioned to me the other day when we just had a quick catch-up. When, when you did come back and looked at these plans, um, the kind of the plans as they were for this um, new spa at Cardiff, mm. you know, obviously they already had a, a successful spa going on already within the hotel. Um, but you looked at it and how much of it was your decision based on, you know, what you just experienced in terms of the overall experience of a spa and how much was it down to the numbers um, the facts and the figures that, that you thought, well, if we're just going to open a, a new spa with 14 treatment rooms or, or whatever it was, where's all the extra money going to come from? So how much was it was experience and how much was it was sort of financial? Yeah, no, no, that was absolutely the, um, that was absolutely my concern was that uh, we're going to build this brand new building. And I think the build cost at the time was, I think if I remember was six, seven million pounds to build this luxury new spa. Yeah. But what, 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 when I realized and looked at the plans, effectively we're taking 14 treatment rooms out of the main building at Carden Park yeah. and stirring them into a brand new building and adding some wet experiences mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and a restaurant and a lovely staircase and a reception, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I looked at it and effectively I couldn't work out how we could actually make the money that it needed to make when we were turning over a million pounds currently with the, with the 14 treatment rooms internally. Yeah. That's when it was decided we've got to do something differently. We've got to, we've got to do something that's actually going to generate income without massive amounts of daily cost. So hence the hence the design of the garden. Yeah. So we built the garden. I don't know if um, if your listeners have seen it or have uh, the links to it, but we built it with uh, the full understanding uh, that we wanted to get as many people to enjoy it as possible. And yeah. um, whether they were there just for the experience of using the garden or whether they wanted to have a treatment as well, mm-hmm. but it was going to be a fun uh, environment for people to go and enjoy as um, as couples, as um, groups of girls, groups of guys, whatever. But it was very much about an experience-led yeah. um, plan. And uh, we built um, three hot tubs in the garden. Yeah, uh, we built a spa. Uh, sorry, a, a sauna in the garden. We built a fire pit in the garden. A Love Island Instagrammable moment, <laughs> um, and we had a hydro pool in the garden, um, and the and the five pods uh, that yeah. you could sit in and relax. And there were, all the pods were heated, so you could sit there no matter in the depth of winter. Yeah. You could sit there. Um, but the be- the best thing we built was the bar. So. Because we never had a bar in the previous spa, you had to come out of that uh, environment and actually sit in a restaurant or a, or a, or a, a, a lounge area or the bar area of the hotel to enjoy a drink. Yeah. It didn't really flow as mm-hmm. it does now that we've got this all-encompassing garden, stroke bar, stroke experience. Um, so the, the turnover uh, for us has gone up massively. Right. Um, just to give just to give you some indications um, of kind of of kind of numbers that we're looking at, and um, bear in mind uh, the the spa food and beverage we had was was basically a, a spa lunch or, or a light bite meal mm-hmm. while you were here for a spa day. But we've actually suddenly now the spa garden roughly uh, this is this is gross kind of numbers we're talking about here, but a hundred hundred k a month for the garden experience is really wow. what we bring in. And bearing in mind the cost of that, apart from heating the hot tubs, 
is a couple of bar staff to serve drinks. Yeah. And then in the food and beverage area as well, again, this is uh, gross numbers, including the VAT, uh, roughly we're doing about 80 to 85,000 pounds a month on, on revenue, turnover revenue on food and beverage in that spa as well. And the, treatment, and the treatments have gone up probably another third, maybe maybe a little bit more. So we're doing around 90, 95 gross a month in treatments. Um, so the, 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 the benefit for us is that effectively the cost implication for running the garden is absolutely minimal. Um, yep. But yeah, no, the revenue potential from it. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Now, this is really interesting because this starts to bring us around to, to kind of the, the, the main thrust of the topic that we want to talk about today. And we kind of identified the talking about the profit and loss um, sheet. Um, but it's really interesting what you're saying because, you, you know, on the one hand, you're saying, you know, we need to have that experience there for, for the people to come and, and really enjoy it and to bring people back again. And obviously having the bar there is very much part of that experience for people, but it's then maximizing how you can offer those experiences at a, as low a cost as possible to you, but as higher a then value, both perceived and, and monetary to the, to the guests. So let's take a look at this then. The first of all, then let's, in, in your own words, what's, what is the P&L? A profit and loss account for me is all about man, managing your costs. For number one, or number one, number one, the important fact of all mm-hmm. is get your product right. Right. Uh, so people want to enjoy it. Uh, if people want to enjoy it, then you have to manage the cost when they get in. Got it. Um, so looking at the experience, charging the right the right money for that experience as well. We did a lot of uh, surveys, a lot of uh, questions and answers for ourselves mm-hmm. about what we should be charging for the treatments, what we should, what we should be charging for products, and what we should be charging for uh, the garden experience if you have that in isolation. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, with 200 bedrooms, um, we do a mix and match here where you can stay and have treatments or you can have stay and have garden experience or both or join them all together. Sure. Um, so looking at that, uh, it was very important for us to, to, to drive as much revenue out of it as possible mm-hmm. um, and try and keep the costs to a minimum. Got it. Uh, so hence, hence the reason why um, when we try and sell the packages, we almost want everybody to buy the garden experience as an add-on. Yes. Um, and uh, we're your resident at the hotel. But the, so the 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 P and L itself then is as a as a financial tool for yeah. both a manager and a, and a business owner to to communicate what's going on. Um, so first of all, then it's it's to me a, a P and L is um, a view of the business over a period of time. Is that right? Correct. So it's I mean there's there's sort of standard times, but I think it, it's most useful over a significant period of time. Probably something like what would you say, a month, a quarter, something like that? We do, we do a profit and loss account, obviously, every month. Uh, we're, right. looking at, we're going to look at, our, to be honest, we look at our figures daily. Right. And we, we, are, we, are, we are a little bit anal about this. So we look at, we look at our figures every morning, gets out for every department in the business. Mm-hmm. So the profit and loss, they, 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 sorry, the turnover figures get sent out every morning to understand um, staffing needs. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, you, if you're full, you need the right number of staff to, to serve your customers, to look after them, to give them the experience that they've paid for. Mm-hmm. So waking up in the morning, I look at the, the, the numbers from the previous day. Mm-hmm. I look at the forecast numbers for the, for the day I'm in, and I look at the, the forecast numbers for the following days right. all the way through to the end of the month. So we are um, really, really, really on top of the finances then. Well, we, we, we all, as a team, you need to be. Yeah. Um, is what we live or die by. But uh, you know, staff costs are the most 
uh, costly thing I think you you have in a business. Um, so getting it right is a very, very important. I, I believe that certainly you've got to provide the service. So it's not about cutting costs, not to deliver no. the service, just to try and save money. It's about delivering the experience so people come back. Return, return and repeat business is the most important part that I then have to spend less on my marketing spend Absolutely. You keep coming back to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, and and this is kind of, for me, this is the beauty. And, and I think this is why we picked the PL as a, as a document to talk about, because it's it's probably the, the simplest and the clearest and almost the most easy to put together in terms of getting that kind of um, view of your business over that period of time that you can then compare with other periods of time. So, so let's say, for example, we do this on a monthly basis. Um, and very, very roughly then, the... the Every PL is going to be slightly different in terms of what it includes, but but just talk us through the the very rough main sections of a PL and what we'd expect to see on there. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, currently the way we do it is we've got we've got split it out to beauty treatments, uh-huh. which is the important fact. Um, bearing in mind there's most costs. Yes. So right um, at the top of the PL, the, the first thing we start with is then is the income, it's the revenue, isn't it? Absolutely. So yep. total sales we look at. Yeah. So the total sales per area of the business. Right. So looking at the total sales, and then obviously straight underneath that, the next one is the most important for me is, is the costs. Yeah. And I'm looking at wages. So we'll look at the, the wages that we're spending in the treatments and then we'll do a wage to take uh, that we're expectations about what we're looking at. Yeah. And again, we do the same thing because our spa has, a, has food and beverage in it. Yeah. Um, we have to look at all that as well. So we add the, the whole P&L account, everything that we take income-wise, mm-hmm. first of all, goes yeah. in the, the total sales. Yep. And then we'll look at cost of treatments and then we'll look at the all the costs underneath. Um so looking at that on a on a kind of monthly basis really understand really makes us understand about how busy the girls are, because that's, yep. that's a really important factor. If they're coming in to do an eight-hour shift, how busy are they in the eight-hour shift? So you look at an occupancy of the therapist, uh, which is important. And ours roughly work about 85%, 80 to 85%. Wow, okay. Realistic. Good figure to try and, and get the girls to work mm-hmm. and then the other one that we'll look at which is a, a real minefield at the moment with all the covid challenges we've got <clears throat> is the, the occupancy of the total spa right in other words how many treatments can we do mm-hmm. how busy are the, all the rooms that we've got mm-hmm. how many more girls can we employ to fill the occupancy of each of these rooms or each yep. of the areas because bear in mind we call occupancy money petty so we've got manicures, pedicures are certainly areas as well. Mm-hmm. So the occupancy of the treatment rooms is equally as important as well. So you can't yeah. have a nice, a nice big building. And sadly, I've got to be honest, that's where we're struggling at most at the moment. Imagine, yeah. Squeezing people um, into the space um, and doing it COVID securely. Securely, yeah. No, absolutely. It's the challenge for everyone. So so right at the top, we start off, we've got the the, the money that's coming in. Yep. Be that from all the different sources. Then underneath that, you've got essentially then it's the it's the cost to deliver those 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 yeah. services, really, isn't it? Under there yeah. to then end up with your, I guess we call that the gross profit, the uh, the money that's come in versus the money that's had to go out to deliver those things, and that gives us the the gross profit figure. Yeah. Which I think that's where tr- trips a lot of people up because they they stop at gross profit and they think, oh, that's the money we've made. Yeah. But we're not quite there yet, are we? There's still a few more bits we need to. <laughs> Sad, sadly not. Um, I mean, the running, the running cost of a spa, as yep. we can imagine, is, is quite significant. I mean, yep. just to heat the pools. So we have, um, at Carden Park, we have, uh, obviously, electricity uh, charges and mm-hmm. we have gas charges because we use 
LPG on site because we've not got um, gas yeah, miles from anywhere. So, uh, so yes, you have to look at all the costs, look at your gas, look at your even your water costs. I mean, yep. water costs money. Um, so every time that you do backwashes in your pools and your spas, et cetera, you top up the water so it costs money. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at all the elements of it, electricity, all your utilities as we call them. So yep. under, under that area, we call it utilities. So you've got wage costs, utility costs, and then there's all the other things that you, f- you not forget about, but the running mm-hmm. costs of linen. Yep. Um, we've got what we call under linen hire. We have all the robes. Now, if you imagine every single person that walks into our spa, whether they're using a garden or they're using having a, having a treatment, mm-hmm. everybody has robes and towels. So we have a laundry uh, bills uh, to run. Um, so that is significant on its own. We have our own uh, laundry on site for the mm-hmm. spa, uh, and we have our own laundry staff managing that area. Um, and again, um, in the in the hospitality industry, uh, we've even managed this this time to open a brand new spa, and we have um, security tags on all our robes. So, right. that funnily enough, funnily enough, now we don't seem to lose as many. I lose as many, interesting. <laughs> if, you go, if you go out on the main doors of our spa, the alarm goes off. I've seen is, that. Uh, yes. Which is <laughs> um, so, trying to keep costs, and that is a massive cost for us in our previous spa. Because mm-hmm. it was part of the hotel, inside the hotel, people used to finish the treatments or finish the swimming pool, yep. with leave the robes on and take the robes back to the room or whatever. Yep. And uh, so so um, replacement costs is another line in the P&L account. Yep. Our replacement costs have gone massively down, which is a great Right, brilliant. So it's another cost that we've saved. So these these are the, th- the three sort of main sections. Then you've got the the revenue at the top. You've got then the the cost to deliver those actual services. Then the gross profit, but then under that you've got all your operating costs, which are all the things that that you're describing there. And then yeah. ultimately to end up at I guess what we call the net profit, which is yeah. the, the it gets complicated after that. And we won't get into those those bits in terms of depreciation and all that kind of thing. But um, essentially that net profit is is the closest thing you can consider as, as the money you essentially get to keep. Correct, yeah. I mean, we call it, we, we look at every department and we call it, there's a, there's a what we call in our p account, accounts, a contribution line. Um, um, so each department has a contribution line. And again, that's where the comparisons are made. Right. So you look at that line every year, um, every month, um, to understand, and they have to understand exactly where we're, where we're going. Mm-hmm. Underneath the the your, that line, your interest in your, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Depreciation. Um, that that does not concern the staff. It's not there. There's not no, a reason no, absolutely. to control that. But anything, anything all the way down to the contribution line is there, there to be controlled. And we discuss it on a monthly basis. We have a board meeting on a, month, on a monthly basis as well. And we talk about everything in the hotel, including all the cost contributions, wage costs, all, all the vari- and variations. And we'll look at the cost year on year to understand exactly that. Of course. Why yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is it a variance suddenly between water one year water and, and linen and all sorts? So yeah. we, do, we do have a real kind of understanding of a, on this on a, on a monthly basis to see why the, it changes. And this is really the crux of, of you know, having that P&L in place. And it's not just a standalone document. It's not something that you just sort of have and look at and go, okay, that's, that's what's going on. The whole point of it is to, like you say, compare it with, the previous period, the previous month or two, the previous, that month, previous year to sort of see, you know, well, if, if we take seasons as the same thing, you know, how have things changed? And it's so that you can then use that to then drive and manage the finances of your business. So for example, and you already said, it's about, it's about costs and controlling costs, not cutting costs mm-hmm. in terms of, because people, 
people tend to associate that with cutting corners and things like that. But you know, reducing costs. So if you had that PL and you you saw that okay, your your net profit, for example, which is the the very bottom line after everything's been taken off, um, you know, your net profit has dropped, say mm-hmm. from one period to the next. You know, I guess the logic there is you you go and look at okay, well. Was it in our revenue section that that changed? Did we not make as much money, or was in a, in a, was it in our cost section? Is that so sort of very roughly how it it kind of translates? Absolutely, we we analyze the the profit and loss account every month. In fact, we do it every week, but really in depth <laughs> on a monthly basis. And we look at exactly that occupancy of the therapist, occupancy of the spa, occupancy of the gardens. Mm-hmm. Why we have we have missed the trick? Why is it not happening? Why is this not coming? Why is why have we got these costs? We didn't have them the previous month. Um, what does this mean? Why does it? And, and literally, we pull it apart. So yeah. everything from the top to the bottom, the top to the bottom is uh, is analysed uh, to understand a how do we do it better? How do we how do we make it simpler for the guests to book if that's necessary? How yeah. do we make it an easier journey for us? Um, how do we just literally every part of it to to understand what we can do better? And I guess your, your example there that you said a second ago about the robes is a really good one because obviously you've you've got on the one side, if if robes are disappearing, um, you know, you've got the cost of those robes to replace them. Mm-hmm. Equally, there was, I guess, a cost to put in place the security tag system to, you know, try and reduce that cost of losing robes. And I guess you've got to you've got to kind of look at the two, you know, what's, what's the cost of one, what's the cost of the other and, and which ends up better. So I'm guessing then based on the fact that you've managed to reduce the, the disappearance in, in robes and therefore the replacement cost that, that it was worth the money to put in place the security tag system. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. We decided that, that from, from the, from the get go. I mean, the robes are really nice, really, really good quality robes and we didn't yeah. want to lose them. And yep. it's a fact. It's a fact of life. It's not, um, it's not something that just happens. I think, yeah, I think it's a fact of life that, People do like to take nice things and think that the uh, it's part of the package. Um, so yeah, it wasn't worth putting in when when we built the spa. We we decided from the from the offset that we'd do that because yeah. I mean literally we were spending you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds every month on loss of robes. Yeah. Um, because people take them to the rooms or the vanished whatever they vanished. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was vitally important. We put them on the products. We put them on products. We don't make an apology for it. Yeah. So there are products as well, um, as you do in, in most shops. Absolutely, yeah. um, We are dealing with the general public in the in, the, in our industry, and um, it's a fact of life. So sadly, that's that was a necessity. But yeah, absolutely. I, I probably saved, I would imagine, at least up to now, 10,000, if not more, probably, wow. on the ropes, wow. easily. So that's so that's exactly why in each of these sections, these main sections that we're talking about, it's usually broken down into like say things like um, replacement items and utilities and all those kind of things. So that in each section, as you're looking at the PL and you're comparing it with previous periods, you can see not only not only that you've maybe made less or more money, but where that variation actually happened. So that again, from one period to the next, you can look at and like say, okay, well, our utilities were hugely up this this month. Why was that? How can we affect that and therefore bring those back down so that the next month, hopefully, or the next period, those costs are brought back under control, or if it's in the revenue section, that revenue has been increased again through whatever mechanism. And ultimately, that's how you make sure that you are controlling the money that's that's within your business and hopefully growing the money that's within your business, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Every month, we analyze these costs in detail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and in fact, you're absolutely right. When it came down to water, a water bill went up dramatically one month. 
um, and we actually found out that we had a leak. So right. we not looked at it on a monthly basis, understanding why we're using so many thousands of liters of water a month. Mm-hmm. And the next month, the following month, we're using more. And we couldn't understand why very quickly realized that there's a leak. And yes. uh, we have to get United Utilities in to fix it. Thankfully, it was their problem and not ours. Phew. And they thought <laughs> the cost, we didn't get the landed with the cost. But it's things like that, electricity, uh, gas, robes, everything, paper products, um, all of the, all of the kind of, even to, even down to the point of looking at the, uh, the, um, the amount of um, oils, etc., that the girls are using in the treatments. Yep. We've yep. got to look at the margins that we've got there and understand again which, which, which is the best treatments and which gives you best profit. And again, you're packaging things up as we've learned as well. Is that certain certain treatments give you a better profit margin? Um, Absolutely. When you yeah. package treatments up, you actually package treatments together. It makes sense uh, financially, um, so it's no major cost uh, or, or less major cost, I should say. Um, but it is—it's understanding that on a daily basis, weekly, monthly basis, that you can control it and you can make these decisions. And we do it. I mean, we sit there and figure out. Um, and we're looking at obviously the next spa brochure, the next what does the new treatments look like? How do we? How does that come out? Um, at the moment, again, we've got a massive opportunity to sell vouchers again. Mm-hmm. So what if we're going to sell voucher sales, what's the most profitable voucher we can sell? Yes. And how do we market that in a way where people get excited about buying them and we can make the most money on, on each voucher for the Love Christmas it. period coming up? Love it. And this and this is it. And this is why I I I never want people to be scared about the PL because it, it, I think that term is thrown around quite a lot and that can immediately put people off. But that's really all it is. It's, it's just looking at the money that's coming in, the money that's going out of your business, where that money is actually falling so that you know about it, so that you can spot things that are starting to happen and go wrong, like a leak, like overusage of products, all those kind of things, before they become some major issue and and then cost some serious money to replace. So so that's really all a PNL is. It's just it's it's being able to take that step back, look at your business, see where the money is coming in and going out, what's changed, what's got better. Because you know often we we tend to talk about the the PNL in terms of controlling things, and I think that's probably where most most people's heads are right now. But equally, if you have one month where you suddenly notice, well, gosh, the the beauty treatment revenue went up massively this month. You know, you can look at that. What did we do different? What did we do better this month? How can we do that again and you know, keep more of that money coming in? Yeah, yeah. When I was young, I mean, I'll be honest, when I was a, a younger manager, obviously an old manager never, an old man never. <laughs> um, but as a, as a young man, I was absolutely petrified of a profit loss account. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be, be honest with you. And, and again, um, you can use it as a stick to beat someone mm. or you can use it as a document to help. Yes. And I think I think in my younger days, I used to be absolutely petrified at the end of the month mm. to look at my PL account mm. and figure out where my where my my feelings were. Because that's what it is. As I look at it, is it's not someone else's feelings, it's my feelings. So um, you know, looking at a, a, a PL account is absolutely imperative to run a business. Um, and you have to um, not shy away from it. You have to look at it and think, my goodness, I've got an issue. And I need to resolve it and get your team on board yeah. to resolve it um, and not bury your head in the sand because it doesn't go away. Um, you know, if you have got an issue that happens month on month on month, you need to you need to almost stand up to it and say, right, okay, what do we do? What do we do to fix this? Now it could be yeah. falling sales, it could be 
you're right, more costs. It could be um, bad management of um, of a rotor, of your rotors with your therapist. Um, but you've got to look at all of these and, and be absolutely honest with yourself and say, how do I fix it? Uh, because it is, a, it is a, a, a daunting thing if you if you just ignore it. And yeah. it will come back and bite you, that's for sure. That is the thing. Things in business don't tend to magically fix themselves. No. Um, and the sooner you the sooner you you get in front of them and, and find them and, and change them, then I think I think I don't think I've ever had a situation where it, it's it, it's worked itself out better by ignoring something. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, you've got to look at it. You've got to look at it on a, of a of definitely of a, of a monthly basis and and understand it. And if you if you don't understand it, get help. That's what I would suggest. I mean, I, I can tell you, and, and when I first managed my first hotel, uh, when was it? 1989, I ran a 37-bedroom hotel in 1989. And I'll be honest, I had no clue about a profit and loss account. <laughs> and I had to basically write a, write a P&L manually in these days, uh, look at all my invoices, uh, matching up the delivery notes, uh, wow. looking at my income, and do everything in a 37-bedroom hotel. Um, and it was extremely daunting. Now, with computers, it's so much easier because they all feed in together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it was a, a massive concern. But now, I don't find, I don't find the P&L worrying. No. Um, I find it a great tool that I look at and say, right, okay, how do, we, how do we make it better? How do we do better on it? Um, how do we get the staff to perform better? How do we get the people who are running that area uh, to think more closely at, at how they manage that little, that that problem that we've got, and then figure it out. And it is it's a game. That's the way I look at it. It's a, a, a game that we have to play every month. Um, but you have to play the game. You can't not play it. You can't decide this month we're just going to bit of a mess. Just going to ignore it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at the moment with this uh, with this COVID, and again, sadly, we're shut from uh, from this Thursday onwards. Yeah. Again, it's a it's a massive issue. Um, yeah. Again, for us, um, I think the whole industry, um, it's its an absolute disaster. Um, we can only hope that hopefully 21 is going to give us a clear run that we can get back to some kind of normality uh, for, for the benefit of, uh, uh, certainly for the hospitality trade, that's for sure. I think so, I think so. Right. I think that's a fantastic place to wrap up, Hamish. Thank you so much for for sharing your time with us, especially today, because obviously with everything that's going on today, you've got a million things to do. So I very much appreciate that. Um, Now, I I have been looking. I've not had the chance to actually come and experience the new Spar at Garden uh, Park. I've seen it um, because we held an event there literally just before lockdown one. Um, So I've seen it. It looks amazing. I can't wait to come and experience it. But for anyone who uh, hasn't had a chance to check it out. Where is the best place for people to go to, to find out information about Carden Park at the moment? It, very easy. Carden Park, type it into Google. It comes up and just explore. You'll enjoy it. The garden, I think if you, if you have a look at the overall uh, spa experience in there, you, you'll get an understanding of what it's all about. But um, yeah. it's uh, yeah, very simple. Type in Carden Park and have a look. Amazing, amazing. Thank you again so much for your time, Hamish. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll get to see you soon in the future when I come and visit, Carden. Okay, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Cheers, bye for now. Thank you so much to Hamish for sharing his amazing story with us on the show and for being so honest about his own journey with finances and business reports. Now, I really hope that that's given you some food for thought. I hope it's caused you to see finances 
and in particular that scary old PL report in a new light. And you're going to use that knowledge and apply it to your own business. Now, putting together one episode of the Beauty Business Podcast every week is enough of a challenge. Indeed, some weeks I simply don't manage it. So there is no way that I would be able to have put together six episodes for one week without the support of the people responsible for National Spa Week on the board of the UK Spa Association. I won't read out all the names. They know who they are. And I thank you all for rallying together to make National Spa Week happen against such adversity this year. Now, if you don't know, UK Spa Association not only creates events like National Spa Week and many others to help the industry grow as a whole, but they fight for the industry throughout the whole of the UK, something that has become way, way more relevant over the last few months. Now, I know that right now, as this episode airs, most of the UK, parts of Europe and possibly other areas are currently under enforced closure. But I can hand on heart say that if it wasn't for the continued assistance that we are giving government and the pressure that we've applied here in the UK, then spas and beauty businesses would not have been able to open for business when they did, and they would not be quite so much on the radar for the financial support that they're getting either. Now, the UK Spa Association will support and fight for you, for your business and your team, but we need your support too, because together we are far, far stronger. So if you're not already a member of the UK Spa Association, please go to www.spa-uk.org and either sign up today as a member or register your interest and we'll send you out some more information. Now, the website is also where you can find more information supporting the topics of finance and financial reports today, as well as more information about what's coming up later this week. Now, on that note, tomorrow here on the podcast, we are talking all about the marketing magic formula. More specifically, what things you need to think about when it comes to marketing in the world that we're in right now. And I've got a special guest joining me who's been doing incredible things in terms of marketing progress throughout the last eight months dealing with COVID-19 and indeed she's learned a lot along the way and pretty much all of which she's very happy to share with you right here on the show. So make sure you don't miss that. Now, if you don't want to miss out on any of the podcast episodes this week, no problem. In whatever podcast app you are listening to me on right now, just click the subscribe button. It'll be there somewhere. And you'll not only get a notification as soon as the next episode is released, but you'll be able to check out all the other episodes that have come before this one. That's it for me for now. I will see you tomorrow.